0: Hello James. Hello Jack. How you doing? It seems like pokers you know sort of coming back around the corner. It's back some places, not in others. Uh, I know my games here in New York are starting back up. Have you managed to play any live poker yet?
1: Not yet. you know we're very cautious here in Washington um, and we really listen to the experts very carefully.
0: Well, that'll get you in trouble, but oh well, uh, soon enough. So I guess you wanted to talk about an older hand?
1: This is an online hand that was played by a student who will keep anonymous. But um, yeah, I just think it will be very instructive. And it, it's one of these like poker room games that plays a lot like a live kind of environment.
0: Okay, awesome. All right, set the stage for us.
1: All right, so um, we're playing 100 NL, and the main villain is on the aggressive side, but is playing pretty well. That's kind of our read on our opponent. And um, in this hand, we're in the cutoff, and um, yeah, this somewhat or, you know, just a little bit more aggressive than average, at least opponent, is in a small blind. And we have jack-eight suited in the cutoff. Um, And then we fold, and the hand is over. No, we we come in for a raise. I think it's fine. I think it's, like, close to the bottom. Like, maybe I'm raising jack-seven suited in some lineups, but usually jack-eight suited will be kind of the bottom for me here.
0: Yeah, there's a pretty big difference between those hands. Uh, the ability to make the nuts straight is pretty important, I think. Jack-7 obviously can't. And it's also an issue for Jack-7 in the sense that Queen-Jack is a hand that a lot of people will play. And so you're going to, when you make that non-nut straight, it can become an issue. Uh, obviously, King-Jack can be an issue for Jack-8, but Jack-8 at least uh, at least has the ability to make the nuts, which it's pretty tough for Jack-7 to do. So I like it as the bottom. And I think that, you know, a very aggressive button uh, and blinds would make me probably want to fold this, but that's going to be pretty atypical for this scenario. So, yeah, I'm into it.
1: All right. The button folds here, and the small blind comes in for a 3-bet, sizing to 14. So we raise to 3, a so 100 and L, and facing a 3-bet of 14 here from the small blind, uh, big blind folds and it's back on us in the cutoff.
0: Well, what do you think in this spot, James?
1: I think folding is fine. I think sometimes we can get a little out of line and come in for a four bet. I'd want to, I wouldn't want to have a 10 in my hand when four betting. I think a Jack is, Maybe a card that, I don't Jack just kind of goes either way because we'll block like some hands that will be folding to the four bet, but we also block some continues. Um, I think if I read that, yeah, the small blind is quite aggressive here, yeah, we can definitely start mixing in some more four bets because the, the small blind is going to be very linear and that range is just going to be really tough for them to play out of position. But you know, if we start doing it every time, they might pick up on it. Yeah, I don't think the, yeah, the eight, I'm trying to think how that will shift our opponent. They, you know, they could occasionally have like eight, seven, eight, nine as suited connectors that probably fold to the four bet. So the eight's a little bit of a negative event there. But yeah, I'm I'm expecting like a lot of kind of offsuit broadways from this villainous described. And I think a lot of the weakest ones will be in a really tough spot or, you know, will have to fold. And if they call, they're just going to be like out of position, maybe a pretty decent hand. What do you think?
0: I think I greatly prefer fold over the other options here. You know, I don't think this... I do think four betting aggressive players who... You know, especially with the trend of 3 betting or folding from the small blind, which I think is... It's a much better strategy if people don't realize you're doing it. I think, you know, having a sort of either sort of merged or expanded, you know, and polarized forbidding range, both of those, I think, are really viable strategies. You mentioned that you don't like having a 10 in your hand. And I think the reason is, I'll just say context for listeners, is that our expectation is that there's a chance that this player is taking sort of like a three-better fold or mostly three-bet strategy from the small blind, which might, you know, a lot of hands that maybe could call, like the king-ten suited, zace-ten offsuits, uh, queen-ten, jack-ten, ten-nine, 10, 10, eight suited to the world. A lot of these might decide to just three-bet instead of call, and a lot of those hands probably would fold to a four-bet. Um, and so having a ten in our hand makes it less likely that we're going to get a fold which, you know, very often is what we're going to want. I think the jack is actually somewhat similar, um, as you sort of, you know, I think we agree there. I think it's, you know, blocking ace jack is maybe more valuable than blocking ace 10. But I also think that, you know, a hand like queen jack offsuit is maybe more likely to rebet than queen 10 offsuit, which maybe is more likely to just fold. So I think it's kind of a wash, and I think overall Jack's just not really a card that I want here. Especially if it's not my best blocker. You know, I would rather have, let's say, like, King Jack, suited as kind of like a merge 4-bet, or Ace Wheel, blocking the Ace, which I think is pretty relevant. And I think Jack 8, we're just not getting enough folds, and we don't... There's just not very many great flops for us. I think... You know, let's imagine like a 10-9 flop. That can get a little bit weird for us. It's obviously, you know, a good event. But I think flopping a jack is kind of... We don't know whether we can value bet or bluff catch. or I just don't think there's a lot of clarity there. Um, An eight's obviously not very useful. And so I'd rather have a hand like, you know, Ace-5 suited, Ace-4 suited. Just because when you flop an Ace, you know... It's not necessarily easy to get value, but you just have the best hand with a lot of equity a lot. And I think there's a significant amount of value in being able to be in that situation where that the equivalent just doesn't really exist for Jack Eight suited. Yeah, I mean it's not like against an aggressive player, it's impossible for the four bet to make money. But I think the safest thing here is just except we're at the bottom of our range and just fold and wait for you know having better hands to go ahead and try and combat this potential overaggression.
1: Yeah. I, I think you make a lot of good points. That's, that's all very, very reasonable. Um, I think this per- because of the description, the, the hero thought that small blind would be getting out of line with all off broadways and um, just like, yeah, just like quite, quite wide, like maybe like like 30% kind of 3-bet in this formation.
0: Well, let me but, ask you this. Yeah. Would you rather have jack-8 suited or pocket-force to 4-bet?
1: And what you're kind of asking with that is like uh, in terms of hands we block, right, Which in which scenario do we think we're going to get more folds? And I guess that, you know, there's some playability um, post-flop, but yeah, it might be better to have one of those low pairs.
0: Well, how much more does Jack 8 suited have more playability than Fours? Fours at least has a low probability event, which is awesome. Jack 8 suited, you know, I don't think there's that many awesome flops for Jack Suited where it has yeah. like all this playability.
1: Yeah, I guess one negative for fours is probably like a lot of higher pairs or that dominate us are continuing like whatever sixes three queens or something. But yeah, it might make for a better four bit in this scenario.
0: Well aggressive doesn't necessarily mean that loose Like I would be surprised if you know like sixes, sevens, eights, three bit called here. And if they did, I mean, the the wider our opponent's going to be like three-betting and then calling and then folding flops, then obviously like, sort of the sky's the limit in terms of just, you know, choose the pot pre-flop and barrel off. I just think that I'm always a little bit concerned about strategies like that, which to me feel fragile, where it's like if we're wrong, the three-bet's not that wide, or the continue to the flop just isn't that wide. Then yeah. all of a sudden we're putting in bluffs and spots where we're just not getting enough folds and we don't have enough equity. Yeah, uh, And so to me it feels like folding can't be that much worse than forbidding, um, And it could be way better.
1: Yeah. Uh, kind of a asymmetric downside situation.
0: And yeah. the, fours, the fours question is it's as much to illustrate one that you know, when we're in one of these situations where our opponent is just too aggressive and can't stand up to pressure, then the types of hands we actually want sort of maybe change a little bit, but also just to sort of break the illusion. Some players might say to themselves like, oh yeah, eight suited. I mean, this is like, you know, my opponent's too wide. This is totally a four bet. And then when they have fours, they're just not in that mindset of like, this is potentially like a pre-flop 4-bet bluff. It just feels so foreign that it gets them to sort of reconsider whether, like how strong the assumptions actually are that guided them towards wanting to 4-bet Jack-8 suited. And so I think sometimes questioning those assumptions about playability and how you're actually going to win hands by just considering other, other hands that could be in your range can sometimes be useful. Like another hand to consider would be like, would you rather have Jack Eight suited or King Five suited?
1: Yeah, and there I think that I think the King Five suited could function, um, yeah, better just because yeah, having the King blocker is more valuable than Jack and Eight, which are you know somewhat. There's some negatives about them; they kind of block some of the hands that we want to fold. Any in this situation, Hero decided to call because they thought that the small blind was betting a little bit too wide and i think it's just going to be really tough to play as a call because we're going to be like we're going to be dominated a lot by a lot of the range like a lot of jack x is going to dominate us and yeah again we're at the kind of at the bottom going into this situation so yeah, I don't think it plays very well as a call. And I you know, I agree that I think we can think about four-betting sometimes against a really wide opponent, but yeah, our our go-to play should be full there.
0: Yeah, wide just you know, wide is good for us in the sense that we're in position, but wide doesn't really benefit our hand, I would say. It I think it it harms our implied odds. And I don't think our Odds themselves are particularly good with Jack 8. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And so one thing I would would say to someone who's tempted to call more facing wider 3-bets is consider, like, what does that mean for your particular hand? Like here, wider 3-bets means, like, more Jack 10 off, more Queen Jack off is getting... 3-bet and then when we flop top pair um, we're just going to be losing the pot
0: yeah um, I also think we have to consider size it's a pretty big 3-bet so you know I'm much more open to calling like a 3-bet to 9 than a 3-bet to 14
1: mm-hmm.
0: alright I think that's it's a pretty solid analysis of pre-flop uh, <laughs> the preflop flop spot yeah,
1: yeah. All right, so onto the flop. Our flop is Jack 6 3 Rainbow. And we get led into for half pot. So there's 25, the pot went into the flop. We get led into for 12.
0: This feels like pretty strictly call to me. I don't know if you have a different view.
1: I think there's some merit to raising here. I think this opponent is probably gonna be C-betting quite frequently. So they're gonna be C-betting all their like double overs, like ace-king, king-queen, yeah, ace-king. And um, we're gonna be probably calling elites two streets anyway. So I think there's a case for like going for a small raise here and then checking back the turn. Yeah, it depends if we think our opponent is gonna be then three betting us, which they may, they may not want to do, but I guess this board isn't that scary for them. So they could three bet, you know, kind of a polar range which would be bad for us. But um, again, someone who's going to be pretty exclusively just calling, um, it could work well.
0: Yeah, to me, it it's just sort of a, you know, a function of how strong our opponent's range is to begin with. There's too much Jack X and Queens, Kings, Aces for me to want to do much raising here. And I think that the, you know, our, we might actually have a higher expected value versus hands like ace-king, ace-queen, king-queen through a call than through a raise. Because I think they don't bluff very effectively against us. You know, just, I mean, part of it depends on are we going to fold turn, are we going to fold river? But certainly those hands don't, like, improve and get paid by us. And I think we have a pretty good, you know, I think we have a pretty good ability to bluff catch with his hand that i think now i mean all of a sudden it has some really attractive qualities for a bluff catcher mm-hmm. so
1: so yeah. wait are you saying we are folding like on a turn king or something
0: yeah i would say that we can pretty easily fold on a turn queen king or ace
1: i think we might be i mean it's it's going to be a tough spot cuz that guard is obviously a lot better for our opponent but i think yeah um, we'll be overfolding if we just fold to one bet, like on a turn, on one of those turns.
0: I mean, what, right? do you, what, are, what didn't, are we calling not at that
1: point?
0: Not much because our opponent's range is so fucking strong.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, I don't, you know, does he get to bluff a lot? Yeah, but that's because he has all the board, you know, he has everything. Yeah. I mean, you know, can we, is Jackie at a crazy hand to call twice with? No, but. How often is our opponent going to give up on the river? Are we going to call three?
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, Are we going to improve on that eight. Look, yeah. it's
0: not it's not the craziest play in the world to like call down on like a queen five run out, but you know, I just I'm not that interested in doing that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: You know, we already said our opponent had all the Broadway, so it's like
1: yeah, so the, they, like they, have, they
0: have they have all the. They have a lot of jack x yeah. that can
1: mm-hmm.
0: definitely value with the turn. All their queen x can continue to value bet. Um, aces, kings, queens, jacks.
1: I mean, at that point they'll be, yeah, they'll be betting all their gut shots as well. Yeah, it could be a spot where they're they're over bluffing, and then having that eight is a little bit nicer to call down with, but. Yeah, I don't I don't think folding on those over cards is crazy.
0: Yeah, it's just you know, those calling the turn to me it's it's tough because there's only so many really clean rivers where we can call it all and we're signing up to lose quite a bit whenever we're beat.
1: So going back to the, the hand in the moment, Hero does elect to call um, the half flop bet. So the flop was Jack, six, three, rainbow, and we're holding Jack, eight, suited. And then we get a turn ace and face a check from our opponent. Um, I think this is a pretty clear check back. I mean Do you think yeah, we're ever kind of good here? No.
0: Yeah, I agree, but I still think we should probably check back.
1: <laughs> yeah, and um, can you elaborate a little bit about why we were never good here?
0: I don't think we're ever good here. I mean, I think we could be ahead of hands, like maybe 10s or 9s or 8s. But I think we're almost never good here because... I think when our opponent has a bluff, their incentive is just to continue. As we, you know, we already talked about on the queen, like James wants to call, which I don't think is a terrible play or anything because he thinks that all the bluffs are just to continue. I think it's the same on the ace. And so when we actually face a check, it's probably from a hand that doesn't think it can get value and is sort of just shifting into the bluff catcher side. I think most of our opponent's bluff catchers here beat jack eight things like other jack X, queens, kings. Uh, so I think we were going to bet it would be as a bluff. I don't think that's too controversial. And yeah, I just, uh, you know, it, it it's a spot where like you can decide for yourself like if you think kings, queens, or jack X are going to fold. And I think if you think they will on the river, you know, on like a safe river, so probably not something like a 10 queen or king or a jack. Um, although a jack has other benefits, but I still don't think we would necessarily value bet on a jack river. You know, we can make that decision now. I don't think bluffing here is like insane or anything. But yeah, I think I think you are certainly bluffing if you bet here.
1: I think we'll also get checks from a lot of suited aces here. The the ones like without a kicker. Such that it doesn't make you want to go for the bluff, like um and yeah, they might not all be in their preflop, but um they also could be, so we have to account for kind of that that composite profile of our opponent, where sometimes they have all the suited aces, and, you know, yeah
0: it's it's interesting that that is probably the case it makes the the ace a really good card for us when we face a bet. In a lot of ways, I don't know that the queen or the king are necessarily the same because our our opponents just don't have as much like queen and king x with a bad kicker. And I guess it's it's something more feasible we would call with a hand like ace ten ace king ace queen ourselves on this flop. So I, I guess yeah. there there is some sense there, but I do think our opponent really should be betting ace x here. Given the frequency they're going to be bluffing, or should be bluffing less, or else I think, all right, I think the likely strategy is very transparent for us. But yeah, when we face a check, it's really not great for Jack Eight in terms of showdown value.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the, but okay. yeah, the
0: presence of the presence of Ace is a really good point because it makes our bluffing ability much weaker because it's a lot of sort of guaranteed call downs, and so we not only have to, we, we it just it adds a level of confidence that we need to get these hands like jack x and kings and queens to fold
1: turn checks through and we end up getting a river seven which is pretty much a blank here yeah i don't know maybe our opponent can have six seven suited occasionally here but it's yeah yeah it's pretty bricky and we face a bet of twenty into fifty, so forty percent pot.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah.
1: I think we agree. That it is what it is. A pretty clear, pretty clear fold. Yeah, um, I agree. Sometimes, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's not impossible to never be good here, but I don't think we're good enough, which is in between like one and four and one and five times.
0: Yeah, I think when we. Being able to fold here is really important to making this call preflop viable. And so I think calling here is a pretty big mistake just because I think bluffs continue on the turn, as we mentioned. And so you're just not up against enough bluffs on the turn. Like this range just isn't bluff heavy enough for me to want to call. And I think the line is very consistent with the sorts of thin value bets that, you know, crush Jack 8. Kings, queens, obviously any ace, yeah. potentially king jack or queen jack. I think all those can bet small here when we check back the check back the flop. Or sorry, check back the turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this has got to hit them up.
1: Yeah. So, hero did end up calling. So we do have we get some information, but yeah, I think. I think it's just important, yeah, very to think through the hand like very very carefully. Like if there's a card that's good for your opponent and they check like what does that mean? A lot of the time it means that they don't have a bluff anymore. So yeah. So do you wanna do you wanna any prediction on the hand we see?
0: I'm gonna say King Jack. We
1: see um, good guess. We see ace ten off suit.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well this, this is a really I'm I think I feel pretty confident saying that our opponent's turn strategy is likely terrible.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was I was surprised this hand was not barreling turn. Um and Yeah, maybe it means we can call on that ace turn a lot more when we do face a bet.
0: Yeah, and I think, I think something that can happen in the mind of our opponents when they're not really thinking holistically about how ranges interact is that the ace can come, and they have this intuition that it's like a really strong card for them. So they want to like sort of do like a reverse psychology or. You know, disguise thing and check strong hands because they know that you'll fold a lot. And whenever they have a bluff, they just bet because they're like, oh, he'll fold a lot. So the, <laughs> the key to beating that is understand the check is strong and the bet is weak, which means you call the bet and probably call down on the river a lot, other than maybe on like a king or queen specifically. And you don't pay off the river bet or you decide to turn your hand into a bluff early, which I don't recommend for reasons along the lines of you might just see ace-10 or ace-king or ace-queen or pocket aces or all this crud. Uh, So yeah. Yeah. Big recommendations here. Gotta gotta be zeroed in on that dynamic on the turn and river. And pre-flop, pay attention to sizing and be willing to fold versus a to aggressive players with bad hands.
1: Yeah. And like map out your pre flop ranges so that you know when you're at the bottom. And then, yeah, and you can feel better about letting those hands go.
0: Yeah. And I honestly, I don't think just from sort of like a pure logical standpoint, the fact that you're at the bottom, it doesn't mean that much. What's important is your opponent's strategy. Yeah. But I just think. It's more, it has more to do, it has less to do with the fact that you're at the bottom, is why you should fold. It's more like, why is this the weakest hand that you opened? But I think if you can answer that question, it becomes clearer why you you might want to just avoid calling here. All right. Yeah, it was a, it's an informative spot, James. I appreciate you bringing it in. I think this is a situation where, Experience is helpful. And yeah, I, I think this this is a good illustration of where you can get a really big edge against sort of like level two thought players, players who are thinking about the game. They're reacting to boards and sort of, you know, there, there was thought behind this line from your opponent. Like I think in a lot of ways, it's a good line. It's just a line where we really can destroy it, and we should.
1: Yeah, we're all about um, destroying lines here at Just Hands.
0: Yeah, we like to destroy those lines. Got to destroy them.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, um, thanks very much, Jack. I appreciate your, uh, your thoughts on that hand.
0: My pleasure. Thank you, James, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye,
1: everyone.